Leslie Cohen is here to talk about her new memoir, The Audacity of a Kiss, and give us her spin on our LGBTQ issues. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Tell us about your new memoir. Well, this is called The Audacity of a Kiss, Love, Art, and Liberation. And uh, this is something that I started working on, God, back in 2009, about 12 years ago. I had taken a memoir writing class at Duke University. And this book was written because I was motivated by two factors. I never considered myself an author. So this is the only book I've ever written. And it was something that I felt like I had to do, basically for two reasons. One was that studying women's history or knowing about our past and knowing how much women's stories were ignored in the past. I was very frustrated because I had opened a club along with my partners, Michelle Floria, Barbara Russo, and Linda Goldfarb, back in 1976 in New York City. It was a club for women, and it was really a breakthrough club. And the reason it was a breakthrough club was uh, because it was the first club owned by women that wasn't mafia-owned. Up until 1974, the DSM considered homosexuality a mental illness. So it gave the authorities in New York and probably elsewhere in the country the ability to discriminate um, and not allow gays and lesbians to open clubs because they were mentally ill. They were arrested. They lost their children. They, you know, if you couldn't dance together in a club... So this ended in 1974 when the DSM finally changed the designation and no longer considered homosexuality a mental illness. Well, here come four young women, really kind of naive about all this. Not really, you know, I mean, we all grew up feeling the effects of the um, attitudes about homosexuality and that it was shameful and perverse and nobody ever talked about it and it was horrible. But here we are growing up in the 50s and 60s and dealing with this and opening this club in 1976. And because of the fact that it was the first club that was a mafia-owned, many, many people came to us and supported us. Not only because they were supporters of the second wave of feminism, but because of the burgeoning gay rights movement. And it became a club where a lot of celebrities came to support women candidates, a lot of women artists who now are in the Whitney and the Museum of Modern Art but couldn't get shows then. A lot of musical talents who appeared at the club came. So we had people like Jane Fonda and uh, Gilda Radner and Jane Curtin and Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan and Pat Benatar and Patti Smith all came to this club. All right, now, just do a quick change. It's 30 years later. I'm so frustrated that nobody has written about this club. It is being lost to the pile of forgotten history that deals with women. The clubs at the time, like Studio, they were all celebrated, written about. But Sahara, which dealt with women, which catered to women and to women's needs, to women's sexuality, was not discussed at all. And the second reason that I felt so highly motivated to write this book was because I have been with a woman for 45 years who I adore, Beth Suskin. And Beth and I were very fortunate that uh, we were asked to model in 1979 
for the Gay Liberation Sculpture, which is now part of a national monument to the Stonewall Uprising. And this sculpture is in Greenwich Village, across the street from the Stonewall Inn, and it's become a very iconic sculpture, visited by thousands of people every year. So I thought it was very important to let people know, especially young people, in generations to come, that the two women sitting on that park bench, life-size women, are, were two women who were very much in love and spent their lives together and uh, lived a happy life. So I thought that would be something that they could see possibly as a possibility for themselves. So this is why I wrote this memoir. And it talks about what it was like for us to grow up in the 50s and 60s and how the 70s came about and how the changes came about, redefining of gay and lesbian lives as not mental illness and perverse and shameful. And that's why I wrote the book. It tells that story. So what was your initial inspiration for writing it? My initial inspiration for writing it was, again, the desire to correct what I felt was a lack of caring about women, <laughs> women and their stories. The feedback that we're getting on this book has just been tremendous. And it's because so many women that are giving me this feedback are saying, I relate to this. I shared the similar background. I grew up like you did. You know, we grew up in the 50s. We grew up where, you know, like all of a sudden, like we were supposed to just be wives and mothers. But that's not who I was. You know, I mean, yes, it's wonderful to be a wife and mother, but for someone like me, I didn't fit that mold. So what happens to women like us, you know, that don't fit that mold? When you're growing up in that kind of environment where that's your only choice, how do you break through that? For me, it was a lot about art because art introduced me to differentness. Art was the way I got to see that there were women out there who chose different paths, uh, even though they were barely written about. But I read about them. You know, women like Simone de Beauvoir and uh, Anais Nin and Colette. And these were women who had experimented with bisexuality or women who were lesbians in Paris and uh, London you know, or England in the early part of the 20th century, like writers Axel West and Virginia Woolf and so many artists and writers who I just thought were so talented and excited me because they were adventurous and weren't living conventional lives. And by studying them, it just forced it in me a desire to be unconventional, a desire to live outside the designated norms of society. It gave me permission. I related to them. And also the changing times of the 60s and the revolution and, you know, free love and breaking all the mores and habits that we grew up with in the 50s and 60s. We were questioning everything. So... I was able through this memoir to give historical perspective to a period of time where women like us evolved uh, from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s till now into what we have now. It was a love story and uh, a story of, of coming of age and coming out. What do you hope to accomplish with this book? Really what I want to accomplish is I want a lot of people to read it, I want a lot of people to read it who are not only queer, 
I want people who are cisgender to read it. I want people to understand what women go through. You know, I want women to understand that it's okay to be different. You know, not fitting, I guess, the norm cisgender program. I want young people to be able to see that there's possibilities of finding love in many different ways. And not to think that because they're different, I want them to realize that there is a lot of joy and a lot of happiness in being queer. You know, there's a lot of love. There's a community of people. There's dancing. There's music. There's laughter. Just be patient. You'll find your way. And I really, really want women to understand that we share so much in common, regardless of our sexuality, you know? And I'd love men to be able to look at this and read it. And I have had people who, male friends, read this who are just blown away by it because it gives them a deep understanding of where we're coming from. And that's what I want to share with people. I really want them to get a deeper understanding of the complexity of women, of the multidimensionality of us all as human beings and how much we share in common. And that it's always a struggle for all of us to live and to make it through the hard times. But if you could find love, like I say in the book, it becomes a force field against this kind of existential horror that we face in living in this world. So, you know, it's a universal theme. What would you like to accomplish with your work? This book is probably going to be the only book I'm going to write. It's really what I needed to say, and um, it's what I wanted to share. And basically, it was done because I want women's history to be recorded. I want women to tell their stories. I think it's very important that we don't ignore women as we have so often in the past. It's a different time. We need to speak up, we need to have uh, bravado, and we need to insist on being heard. So I want these stories to be told. I think also it's important for young people to read love stories about uh, queer people, you know, so that it fosters a universal understanding that we all share the same needs and... um, Also for queer people, that love is possible. And like I said before, that life is joyful, that you can have everything that you want. What would you like to see happen for our LGBTQ community in the uh, Biden-Harris administration? Well, I think that the best thing to happen, uh, what would be a great achievement, is to have the Equality Act passed so that there's a uniform law protecting uh, gay and lesbian people, queer people transgender people across the board so that it's not broken up by states that still have these discriminatory policies against the queer community. I think that would be the greatest achievement. With LGBTQ teens already four times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers after facing bullying incidents, what advice would you have for these kids, especially in these times? I want the young people to understand that what you feel as a young person, and I think that if you read the book, you'll feel this from me, that sometimes we feel such despair and hopelessness. But if we can somehow 
hang in there. You realize that life is fluid and that you will grow and you will learn things that will help you get through it and you will find joy. Be patient. Don't let the moment or the year or the couple of years of despair of youth and the confusion of it all undo you. It will change and have hope. It's one of the things that I've seen in the past that's been very disturbing because you want to say to them, you know, if you if somebody's feeling suicidal, which I have felt as a kid, you know, there were times I just felt so despairing. But be strong, hang in, be strong. Life will bring you joy. Things do change. You do become aware of other things. You do grow. So that's my message. How can people get information about the audacity of a kiss? If anybody wants uh, information about the book, you can go to my website, which is uh, Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E, dash Cohn, C-O-H-E-N, dot com. And uh, that will give you, uh, you know, an update on upcoming events and where, uh, and it'll talk about the book, The Audacity of a Kiss. There's an actual page for that. It'll talk about, uh, you know, it'll talk about the club, Sahara. It'll talk about uh, the gay liberation sculpture. It gives you a lot of different information, but in, under the Audacity of the Kiss, it will tell you where you can um, go online to order your book if you want to order it. It'll tell you more about what the book's about. There's so much information. You know, there's videos, there's tons of photos, there's articles that have been written about me or, or the book and uh, that I've authored. And um, so there's a ton of information at the website, leslie-cohen.com. What other projects are you working on? Honestly, Charlotte, I'm so busy with this book. I can't even tell you. I mean, this is all new for me. Every part of this thing of doing a book has been brand new. The marketing part of it, which is through Rutgers and my publicist, has been like, what is... I mean, I've been doing so many interviews and so many articles and and every day, you know, and now I'm getting on a lots of people emailing me or, uh, you know, getting messages from Facebook or whatever, and I'm busy answering people. So it's really been like a whirlwind. And I guess thinking about a next project, you know, it's funny because Beth and I were talking about it yesterday. What are you going to do after this? There's so much energy around it. And I said, you know, I don't know. I think what we're going to do is plan a nice, long trip someplace. You know, that's my next project. Where am I going to travel to? I really don't know what's next. Maybe I'll go back to painting or something. I don't know. Is there a question you wish people would ask you? The other question I'd love people to ask me is, how can I spread the word? I read your book. I think it's really wonderful, and I'd like to tell people, how can I spread the word? So that's what I'd like them to ask me. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra to get you through difficult times? Another quote that I read when, when I was thinking about quotes, and I think uh, that this is very important for people, and it's that your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. What it means is that all life on this earth passes so quickly, you know, and that when we're kids and we're growing up, we all want to fit in so badly, you know, that we compromise in so many different ways. And... You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time trying to fit in if that's not really who you are. 
Don't live someone else's life. Live your own life. Take the chance. Be courageous. Experiment. Go for it. Don't waste your time. You're not here long enough, you know?